Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, it's Brian Lehrer, a daily politics podcast. It's Friday, August 26th. If your politics are left of center, what do you call yourself? The terms typically used, liberal and progressive, have been changing over time, right? Liberal kind of fell out of fashion in favor of progressive in recent decades, or at least the word progressive started to be adopted more. Now progressive is under new scrutiny, and an article in the New York Times sees social democrat as on the rise. And some say democratic socialist, right? So what do these different terms mean these days, and how are they different from each other? This interesting Times piece is titled Some on the Left turn against the label progressive. It explores how some Democrats who once shied away from the label liberal in the 1990s embraced the word progressive, but now that may be changing too as people question the very idea of progress. With us now is the author of that article, Blake Hounchell, editor of the New York Times On Politics newsletter. Again, it's titled Some on the Left Turn Against the Label Progressive. Blake, thanks for coming on. Welcome to WNYC. Thank you for having me. Such an interesting piece that you wrote, Blake. And can we start with where the word liberal came from and what made it start to give way to progressive? Sure. I mean, there's the liberal in the sense of the kind of Enlightenment era use of the term, which is that's that's what people call classically liberal folks like. Adam Smith, right, one of the founding thinkers of capitalism. And, you know, up until even, you know, the 1940s, there were people that we would consider conservative today who used the label liberal to describe themselves. Uh, Herbert Hoover, who was the president on the eve of the Great Depression, called himself a liberal. And today at Stanford University, there's an institution in his name, the Hoover Institution, that's a bastion of modern conservative thought. Right. Um, that's so what, they call, what they call classic, over time. classic liberalism, which really means free market economics, right? The government off businesses' backs. Exactly. That, that's exactly right. And that was what sort of Adam Smith is, is known for, people like that. Friedrich Hayek called himself a liberal. And what's the difference between a progressive and a liberal today, or let's say in the last 20, 30 years? Is it how far left? Is it what sounds strong versus weak? Is it something else? I think, you know, as I say in the article, the terms have become spongy, right? They, they tend to mean whatever people want them to mean. But I think the generally accepted usage is a liberal is someone who's center left, someone like a Hillary Clinton, Whereas a progressive is someone further left, like a Bernie Sanders. And there was this interesting moment that I talk about during the 2016 presidential primary where uh, Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders actually squabbled over who was a progressive. And Clinton said, well, I'm a progressive who gets results, implying that Sanders didn't. Um, so, So it's been contested. But generally, I'd say now people see people like um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Bernie Sanders as on the progressive end of the Democratic Party. Right. And you quote a Georgetown historian, Michael Kazin, who called the term progressive spongy. What did he mean by that? 
um, I think he means that it that it has this kind of flexible usage. And, and now what we're seeing is in a lot of these primary races for House and Senate seats, you have these progressive challengers who are um, going after centrist Democrats. And the centrist Democrats are often calling themselves progressive, too. So it's a label that, you know, kind of both wings of the Democratic Party have embraced over time. Um, and as the progressive wing of the Democratic Party gets stronger, those centrists are, you know, they're wrestling with the same terminology that I talk about in the article. And so to bring it up to the present moment, why are some on the left turning against and even warning against the word progressive? Um, I think part of it is just kind of a natural contrarianism reacting to the fact that progressive has become this really omnipresent, dominant term. That's definitely part of it. Um, but I think the deeper reason is that a lot of folks on the left just dispute the idea that history has a certain direction. And that's kind of baked into the notion of progressivism. I mean, progress is part of the word progressivism. And there's a lot of sort of pessimism on the left about the direction of the country. Climate change is a big factor in this. Um, and the folks that are quibbling with the use of the term progressive would say, well, you know, progress doesn't always go in one direction. And there's another component of it, which is that, um, you know, progress is also in the eye of the beholder, right? Um, my notion of progress might be different than your notion of progress. Um, so, so some of this is a bit academic, but these labels tend to have a lot of political power once they get into the public arena. So it's an important discussion. So about this being a time of rising pessimism in progressive circles, certainly there's a feeling it may be counterproductive to cite or to believe Martin Luther King's quote, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice, which you refer to in the piece, because I guess that makes progress toward equal rights seem inevitable, like you just have to wait for it when things are actually going backwards these days. But but maybe it's worth pointing out that King was a fighter, right? He was nonviolent, but a fighter for justice every minute of his adult life, maybe citing that arc as a motivator for people to keep fighting, or I don't know how people are hearing it. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I think, um, you know, one of the people that I spoke with for the article is a guy named Matthew Sittman, who is a former Christian conservative who is uh, now on the left. And, and he was one of the people who turned me on to this trend uh, on the left. And what Sittman said to me was that, you know, there's a very sort of deeply Christian idea here, which is that, um, you know, in, in the very long run, in the long arc of the universe, right, the long moral arc of the universe, um, we're going to reach this moral ideal. Um, but that doesn't mean there are not going to be setbacks along the way, and it doesn't mean we don't have to fight for a better world. And I think that's the context in which certainly Martin, Martin Luther King intended his remarks. And I think it's probably how Obama intends it, although, you know, Obama tended to maybe over-deploy the phrase in different contexts, and, and I get into some of that in the article. Jay in Sunnyside wants to weigh in on, I think, exactly this point. Jay, you're on WNYC. Hi there. 
Hello, I'm so glad to, to be on with you and uh, with this very interesting discussion and the very interesting essay. Um, I would, uh, there's one small quibble I might have if I understood it correctly, that one does not need to believe that progress is happening towards a glorious future now in order to embrace the idea that we want to support progress towards our uh, political goals, whatever they may be. And in that sense, that word is no different from conservative. What is it that the conservatives, quote unquote, want to conserve? I would also um, want to moan a little bit about use of the word liberal in this country as you something you alluded to before. The word is very rarely used to mean anything left of center anywhere else. Um, the Parti Libéral, for example, in the French-speaking Switzerland, is a pro-business party. And one thing that it does is it undermines any possibility of discussing neoliberalism, which is essentially that human beings are nothing more than units in the marketplace. It's terribly confusing if people think that neoliberal, the word neo, modifies American definitions of liberalism rather than the classical kind. Right. And yet, you make a lot of sense. And yet the word liberal came to mean in this country, maybe it was in the 60s, maybe it was in FDR's time, I'm not exactly sure of the, the starting point, came to mean left of center. You were more for civil rights and other equal rights of various kinds. You were more for regulation of the market by the government, whereas those who were conservative were not. So it took on a particular American meaning, um, at least for a number of decades, right, Jay? Yes, and I feel it's somewhat limiting in a, uh, in, to our possible understanding, a uh, greater understanding of the kind of neoliberalism yeah. that uh, the economy is embracing now. Right, right. Jay, thank you very much. For, for an interesting call. And to some of what he said, uh, Blake, you write in your piece that in the 80s and 90s, Republicans successfully demonized the word liberal to the point where many Democrats shied away from it in favor of labels like conservative Democrat and progressive came out of that. And it's funny in that respect, because on the one hand, I think if the Reagan era Republicans managed to demonize the word liberal for a lot of swing voters, it's because they saw liberalism as going too far left, right, as causing cultural decay in the 1960s, however they defined that. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's, exactly one reason, right. that's one reason that the word liberal became unpopular for Democratic Party politicians to use. But by the same time, there are people maybe more like our caller, Jay, who, who started to see liberal as, as too centrist squishy and therefore um, embrace progressive. So liberal got hammered from both sides. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was only 10 years old at the time, but I, I was a political junkie even then. And I remember the Dukakis campaign against uh, George H.W. Bush in 1988. And Bush hammered Dukakis as a Massachusetts liberal. And uh, 16 years later, in 2004, John Kerry ran against the son, George W. Bush. And once again, the Bush family wheeled out this term, Massachusetts liberal. And uh, you know, it's hard to know how effective it was, but neither Dukakis nor Kerry were ever president. So, you know, clearly it, that had some power in the political arena. So you write in the piece that now the term social Democrat is on the rise. Give us some context there. 
You know, so social Democrats is a very common term uh, to describe European parties, the left, um, you know, in Scandinavia, in Germany, um, you know, and, and this, it's, I would make a distinction between a social Democrat and a socialist, um, whereas I think historically socialist meant that you want to kind of seize the means of production, nationalize the coal mines, that sort of thing, you know, that kind of thinking it has been, I think, discredited largely um, in the public mind. And so social Democrats are people that support like a large, robust welfare state, like you think of Sweden, um, kind of cradle to grave safety net. And that's really when when someone like a Bernie Sanders talks about democratic socialism, that's what I think he means. He, he's not someone who's out there wanting to right. you know nationalize private industries you know it's come up on this show and i can't even remember whether it was from a caller or from a guest uh the question why doesn't bernie sanders why don't uh aoc and others who call themselves democratic socialists just call themselves social democrats because if they call themselves social democrats they're going to sound like a much more benign thing, you know, like uh, they identify with the kind of democracy and and social um, success of social policies that they have in Scandinavia or somewhere like that. Social Democrat. If they call themselves Democrat, social Democratic socialists, where socialist is the noun, then it more sounds like something closer to the old Soviet Union. And I don't know the answer to why Democratic socialist versus social Democrat. Do you? Well, I, I wasn't able to ask uh, Bernie or AOC about this directly, but I, I did speak about this with Michael Kazin, the Georgetown historian, and his theory was that the democratic socialists are really trying to make a sharp distinction between their politics and the politics of the Democratic Party. And so if they called themselves social democrats, even though social democrats has lowercase d, in some mind, some uh people's uh-huh. minds they would be conflating their views with those of the democratic party interesting uh, and so and part I've... of this is an attempt to distinguish themselves and say you know what i'm not a mainstream democrat like those guys who in their view are captured by interests like wall street right they're trying to say i'm something different um and they're trying to they're really trying to own the word socialist and rebrand it even though I think, as Kazin says, and, and you just alluded to, that's a pretty fraught exercise in the context of American politics. I think we're going to get a really interesting perspective from our next caller, if I'm understanding my board correctly. I think Alec in Morningside Heights told our screener that he's the son of the legendary socialist activist Michael Harrington. Alec, you're on WNYC. Do I have that right? Are you Michael Harrington's son? Uh, yes, I am. Thank you for calling in. What would you like to add to the conversation? Well, I think everything that I was going to say has been said, but <laughs> uh, the the distinction between democratic socialist and social democrat is one that I don't think is really understood in this country, and I don't necessarily think it does need to be understood, but where I would make that distinction is whether you believe in the collective control of what a Marxist would call the means of production, what the rest of us would call industry. Um, And my father, uh, you know, to the end of his life, 
believed in that as the ultimate goal. Uh, in the short run, he was a social democrat, which, as, as you've said, I associate with basically every advanced wealthy democracy, and uh, including the United States, but to a much lesser degree, but having a comprehensive welfare state and uh, regulation. And, and I do think that Bernie Sanders and AOC are being somewhat disingenuous when they use the term democratic socialist rather than social democrat. Uh, and and I, I also wonder, however, if this is just hair splitting and it only matters to people who are familiar with European politics. Uh, and then the last thing I would say is my problem with the progressive movement is there is I do have a problem with what is now being called the woke focus on policing language and i want to and and in some cases art and literature i want to say clearly that i you know i'm a supporter of equal treatment civil rights treating people decently i am a supporter of of all these things but i think that the policing of language and the policing of art literature puts us in dangerous territory however uh, the right has managed to do us one better at this point by actually putting it into laws with, say, Ron DeSantis' campaign against uh, what he calls wokeism. So that's a jumble of things, but that's what I have to say. Yeah, though people who are on the other side of that last issue that you raised would say uh, language can equal violence or language can produce physical violence. Language actually disadvantages people. Uh, if it's used in certain ways. And so it's not just about speech that can be separated from consequences, right? Yes. And, and I would say in the course of my lifetime, I've seen the opposite happen. That um, but, you know, before I was born, back in the 1950s and 60s, the, the people who were the censors, the people who were the Puritans, were the conservatives, were the ones for whom the the sacred cows were God and country and family and the military. And then you had uh, the Mort Sauls and the Lenny Bruces and the Dick Gregories and the Richard Pryors sticking their fingers in the eye of the conservative Puritans. And I, I started to see in the 80s when I was an adolescent uh, the backlash against us being put in that position uh, of being the policers of language with things like the t truly tasteless joke book and Andrew Dice Clay's uh, comedy. Mm -hmm. And I think that this focus on language actually turns um, bigoted language, bigoted humor into daring irreverence and that it actually provides camouflage for the real bigots to say, oh, wow. I'm just a champion of huh. free speech, and yeah. I'm just uh, going after the Puritans. Interesting. Alec, thank you very much for that perspective. Obviously, that could start a whole other conversation um, with people who would disagree with that, but really interesting thoughts there from Alec, who identified himself as the son of the famous socialist activist Michael Harrington. This is WNYC-FM. 
HD and AM, New York, WNJT-FM 88.1 Trenton, WNJP 88.5 Sussex, WNJY 89.3 Netcong, and WNJO 90.3 Toms River. We are New York and New Jersey Public Radio and live streaming at WNYC.org. As we begin to finish up now with Blake Hounshell, who writes a politics newsletter for the New York Times, which um, raised very interesting questions in his latest edition about the words liberal and progressive and social democrat and democratic socialist, the latest article titled, Some on the Left Turn Against the Label Progressive. So where does this have to go, Blake? And maybe, you know, listening to Alec, um, maybe you need to do a subsequent newsletter on the term woke and who was once for it, who may be now against it. Because originally, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that people were using woke uh, with no irony or sarcasm at all on the left to say, to refer to people who've been, you know, awakened to the racial injustice in the world and other injustices, right? Yeah. So just to piggyback on what Alex said, which I thought was very insightful, um, you know, language especially in the context of politics, language does have real power. And I think the fact that we are arguing over terminology like woke and what it means and this idea that too many people on the left are policing speech, I think that just indicates just the power of language in our politics. And and it does matter what labels we use to describe things, which is exactly why I wanted to tackle this. Um, to your point about wokeism, you know, one thing that I think people forget about conservatism, conservatism is that in one sense, conservatism just means preserving the status quo, right? Um, and if the status quo has become dominated by progressive ideas, um, then it's natural for progressives to come become the new small C conservatives trying to preserve the gains they've made in society. So I think it's only natural that you'll see some on the left try to lock in um, some of the new ideas that they brought into the public arena in the 70s and 80s. Blake Hounshell, editor of the New York Times On Politics newsletter. Again, his latest piece is titled, Some on the Left Turn Against the Label Progressive. And we could have kept going for a long time with all the calls that are still on the board. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Brian. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.